is Emily, and welcome to Tales from the Shadows, a podcast about folklore, fairy tales, storytelling, and the occasional tangent. I'm back in the wardrobe with the paper mache dragon, and I'd like to tell you a story. If you tuned into the unlicensed oral arts storytelling live stream, you might have heard me tell this story before. I've also been working on some paper cuts for it, which I will hopefully post up on the Instagram at some stage. It's a new version of an old story, and I hope you enjoy it. Once upon a time, there was a little girl who loved the colour red. It was her favourite colour, and she loved all things that were red. Red flowers, red sunsets, red apples. And because she loved the colour red so much, her mother, her aunt and her grandmother decided that they would make her something, make her something special, something red. Three women were craftswomen, and they worked with wool. The grandmother had taught her two young daughters how to work with wool, how to comb it and card it, how to spin it, how to knit, how to weave, how to dye. And so the three of them got to work. The aunt took a bundle of soft, clean white wool, and she set to work spinning, spinning into a fine, soft yarn. The grandmother then took the skeins of yarn, and she began to dye them. She dyed them a bright, crimson red, the red that was the favourite colour of her granddaughter. The mother then took the red wool and began to knit, and she knitted a cloak for the girl, a bright red cloak. And once the little girl was given her red cloak, well, she never took it off. It was her favourite thing. She could be seen far away, a dot of bright red standing out in the landscape. And so everyone called her Little Red. Time went on, and Little Red kept wearing her red cloak. But her grandmother began to grow old and began to grow frail, and her daughters began to worry about her, and made certain that every day one or other of them would go over and just check in on their mother, just to see how she was doing. And when they went to visit her, they always brought a basket of something nice, maybe some fresh bread or nice cheese, occasionally even a bottle of wine. One day, it was Little Red's mother's turn to visit, but she was so busy that day. She only had two hands, but she had so many orders of wool coming in and so many things to do, so she called to her daughter. Little Red, take this basket and bring it to your grandmother. But whatever you do, you mustn't step off the path. Why mustn't I step off the path? asked Little Red. Oh, I haven't got time for your questions, child. Can't you see I've got a to-do list as long as my arm? Just go and do as I tell you. Now, Little Red was generally what would be considered a good girl. She was more than happy to go and visit her grandmother. But the thing was, she was a child who needed to understand why. She needed to know the reason behind the rule. A rule needed to make sense if she was going to obey it. And even in her short life, she had already experienced that sometimes some people will make up rules for no reason. But luckily for Little Red, there was one person in her life who would always answer her questions, who always had time to talk to her, and that was her aunt. Her aunt was a spinner, and she would sit all day at her spinning wheel. She said that the constant rhythm of the wheel became the rhythm of her thoughts, and since the wheel kept her hands busy, it gave her mind plenty of time to think, her mouth plenty of time to talk, and her ears plenty of time to listen. So on her way to her grandmother's, Little Red stopped at her aunt. Hello, Little Red, said her aunt, sitting at her wheel, which was spinning round and round and round. What are you doing today? I'm going to visit Grandmother, but Mother says I mustn't go off the path. Auntie, 
Why does she say I mustn't go off the path? Her aunt's wheel kept spinning round and round and round, and her aunt spoke in her slow, soft voice, in the rhythm of the spinning wheel. Well, my dear, there are a few reasons your mother mightn't want you to leave the path. You might wander off into the forest and get lost. You mightn't be able to find your way back. Or maybe you might fall. You might twist your ankle, roll down into the river, and no one would be able to find you. Or maybe, well, maybe something might find you. Tell me, my dear, has your mother ever told you about the hungry ones? No, auntie. Who are the hungry ones? Well, no one is really sure who or what the hungry ones are. We just know that they're there and that they have a great gaping, empty hungriness inside them. And you, my dear, you are so young and so bright and so fresh. They would long to gobble you up, hoping it would fill that emptiness. Tell me, my dear, do you know how to spot a hungry one? No, auntie. How do I spot a hungry one? Well, it's not easy. They can look like people sometimes, look like you and me, but there's always something, well, always something not just quite right. Something behind the eyes. And the teeth. The teeth are always just a little bit too sharp. More often, though, they look like animals. They could look like a lion or a wolf. But then again, there will be something, something not quite right. Like someone trying to, trying to copy a thing they've only heard about. And they've heard a very detailed description, but they've never actually seen it themselves. Do you know what you should do if you ever come face to face with a hungry one, my little red? No, auntie. What should I do? Should I run away? No, my dear. Don't run away. For if you run, they will chase you. And if they chase you, they will catch you. You have to be clever. You have to be smart. The hungry ones are cunning, but you, my little red, you are cleverer. Hungry ones never chew their food. They would swallow you up whole. So if you are in their belly, you have to kick and fight and try to make them sick, make them throw you up. After this, they'll become tired. So tired that they'll just have to sleep, even if only for a few minutes. And that, my dear, is when, if you're clever, you would be able to escape. Will you be able to remember that, Little Red? Little Red nodded her little head. Good, said her aunt. Now, go off to your grandmother and take my love with you. And so the little girl went off into the forest. As Little Red walked through the forest, though, she began to get a feeling. She felt someone was watching her, but when she looked behind, she could see no one. When she looked to the left and the right, there was no one to be seen. And so she kept walking. She kept walking until she came to the fork in the road. And there standing in the fork in the road was a wolf. A wolf, all on its own. A wolf larger than any wolf she had ever heard tell of. And the wolf was standing there, on its two back legs, standing as if it were a man. Little Red could see its teeth in its mouth, and the teeth looked too razor sharp. Surely anything with teeth that sharp would cut its own mouth. And the wolf spoke to her. Where are you going? Little girl, Little Red knew that this must be a hungry one, but she remembered what her aunt had told her. Don't run, for if you run, 
they will chase, and if they chase, they will catch you. She stood her ground and looked the creature right in its eyes and said, I am going to visit my grandmother. Indeed, little girl. Where does your grandmother live? She lives just down that road to the left, replied Little Red. Indeed, little girl. But did you know that if you go down to the right and off the path, there are some beautiful flowers there? I'm sure your grandmother would like some flowers if you picked them for her. Yes, I'm sure you're right, said Little Red, still keeping her eyes on the wolf-shaped thing and its two sharp teeth. Thank you. I think I will go and pick some flowers for my grandmother. Slowly Little Red turned to the right. She walked. She didn't run. She left the path, and indeed there were some beautiful flowers there. Red poppies, pink foxgloves, but there were also mushrooms. Now Little Red's mother and grandmother and aunt had all been taking her into the forest since before she was old enough to crawl, and she knew which mushrooms were good to eat and which ones weren't. She knew which mushrooms would make you terribly, terribly sick. And so she set her basket down and she picked the flowers and she also filled her basket with mushrooms. Meanwhile, the wolf-shaped thing ran to Grandmother's house. It knocked on the door with its paws and Grandmother, sitting inside in her rocking chair, called out, Just give it a push. The wolf-shaped thing pushed open the door and poor Grandmother didn't even have time to let out a scream before it pounced and gobbled her up whole. But this grandmother, oh, she was a tough old lady. Her daughters might worry that she was getting old and frail, but she still had fight in her. And from deep inside the wolf-shaped thing's belly, she began to fight. She kicked and she elbowed and she punched and she made the wolf-shaped thing's belly begin to churn. But the wolf-shaped thing, it ignored the rumblings and rockings in its belly. It took grandmother's nightdress and slipped it on. It even pulled on one of her cloth caps over its ears, and then it sat in her rocking chair, elegantly draping a quilt across its lap, and it waited, with her basket full of mushrooms and a bunch of flowers in her hand. Little Red made her way to Grandmother's cottage. She knocked on the door and a voice called from inside, Just give it a push, it's on the latch. She pushed open the door, and she saw sitting in her grandmother's rocking chair, was someone wearing her grandmother's nightdress? Was someone wearing her grandmother's cap? Was someone with her grandmother's quilt draped across their knees? But she knew this was not her grandmother. But still, she remembered. Be clever. Be smart. Grandmother, I have brought you some lovely flowers. Thank you, my dear said the thing in the rocking chair. But, Grandmother, well, you don't look quite yourself. Are you sure that you feel all right? The wolf-shaped thing's stomach was beginning to gurgle and growl as the grandmother continued to fight inside. But the wolf said, Oh, my dear, I'm sure if you give me a hug, I'll be perfectly all right. But the little girl shook her head and said, I can hear your tummy grumbling from here. Let me make you something nice to eat. And so Little Red began to cook. She sliced up the mushrooms and fried them with garlic and butter. 
she toasted bread and made a pot of tea, but while she was working, she gathered soot and charcoal from the fire. She smeared it on the bread and mixed it in with the sugar that she added to the tea. She then took this and brought it over to the thing in the rocking chair. Here, Grandma, eat this. The hungry one gobbled up the mushrooms and the toast and drank down all of the tea. The churning in its belly soon became like a storm-tossed sea. Oh, Grandmother, said Little Grant, are you sure you feel all right? You really don't look like yourself at all. I'm just feeling a little bit queasy, my dear. I'll be fine, I... Oh, dear. It felt as if the wolf's belly was being tied up in knots, twisted and wrung out like a wet rag. Oh, oh, I think I might be sick. Oh, Grandmama, you mustn't be sick here. Why, if you get sick on your lovely quilt, we'll never be able to wash the smell out. Here, let me help you to the door. The little girl took the thing in the rocking chair by the arm and led it to the door. Inside, Grandmother kept kicking and punching and elbowing, and the wolf, oh, the wolf was feeling very unwell. Little Red led him out the door, and the wolf opened its mouth and... Up came the mushrooms and the tea and the charcoal and Grandmother. And the wolf-shaped thing, it did feel a bit better after that, but, oh, it felt also so tired, and it... It just thought it would just have just a just a minute. It would just rest its head for for one minute. Once the wolf shaped thing had laid down its head, little Red opened the door and grabbed her grandmother and pulled her inside quickly. The two women locked the door and then they got to work. They took out a pillowcase and a sheet and a needle and thread, and they began to make the shape of a girl. They stuffed it with hay, and they stuffed it with bricks and sticks and stones. They got bacon grease from a tub and smeared it all over the girl-shaped thing. Grandmother took out a scrap of cloth and dyed it red, the same bright red as Little Red's cloak, and draped it about the shoulders of the girl-shaped thing. Before they placed the girl-shaped thing outside, though, they made certain to add plenty of salt. When the doll stuffed with stones and bricks was in position outside. They went into the larder and got sausages. They began to boil up the sausages, and the smell drifted out to where the wolf-shaped thing, to where the hungry one was sleeping. Its nose began to twitch, and one eye opened. It saw red, bright red, red like the little girl had worn, and before it was even fully awake, its mouth was opened and it gobbled up the doll. The doll that had been stuffed with stones and bricks felt heavy in the wolf-shaped thing's belly. But the wolf-shaped thing, the hungry one, it began to feel thirsty. Oh, so thirsty. It stumbled up to its feet and went looking for water. It could hear the sound of the river. And it didn't take notice that this was where the current was strongest as it bent down and began to drink and drink and drink. And as it drank, it got heavier and heavier. And the doll full of bricks began to slide around in its stomach. And the hungry one began to lose its footing on the bank. And it slipped and it fell down into the river. And it was pulled down, pulled deep, deep down by the weight of the stones in its full belly. And for all I know, And for all I care, 
down at the bottom of that river. The hungry one may still be there. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, if you'd like to see the telling I did on unlicensed oral arts, I'll pop a link in the description. Unlicensed oral arts is um, it's what me, Nisha, Shannon and Stephen, aka Hog and Dice, we formed a sort of loose amalgamation of storytellers and we do a live stream every month. The next one will be on Thursday the 29th. We generally try to do the last Thursday of the month and we normally kick off at 7pm Irish time. The live streams have been quite fun to do. Um, we normally end up on some strange tangent and Nisha or Stephen, but normally Nisha, tells a story that makes me make the face. I normally pull the face when the story gets to a particularly ridiculous, outrageous, extremely graphic and just how on earth, what moment of the plot. The guys are really good storytellers. And they're also really good at telling the type of stories that I am not able to tell. So if you fancy seeing four storytellers all telling very different stories, maybe give it a watch. As always, thank you so much for giving me your time, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the story. There's links in the description to the various social media. Instagram, where I'm hopefully going to be posting some of the pictures of the paper cuts I've been doing of Little Red. I sort of have this idea I want to have the whole story, but all set out on either one really, really long piece of paper or maybe stuck on a wall so you can walk along hearing the story and seeing them. I don't know, I haven't haven't worked out the final bit of it. I sort of want there to be like a long red thread running through it. Uh, there's also the Twitter. I mostly post updates on how the dogs are doing on Twitter. Their most recent adventure was I took them to Bushy Park and they jumped into a lake. Well, two of them did. Mimi is far too sensible. If you really super enjoyed it, um, there's also a link to the Patreon. And if you feel like giving a review, a rating, sharing this with a friend, that would also be very much appreciated. I hope you're safe. I hope your loved ones are safe and well. Now, go wash your hands. Bye.